and welcome to series three of the Why I Knit podcast. My name is Dr. Mia Hobbs and I'm a clinical psychologist who's passionate about knitting and its benefits for our mental health. Each week on the podcast, I interview a different knitter about why they knit and how it benefits their mental health. This week on the podcast, I'm joined by Dr. Paula Redmond. Paula is a clinical psychologist who specializes in working with healthcare professionals who have suffered burnout or workplace trauma. Paula and I met through the world of clinical psychology and we're delighted to find that we both shared a passion for knitting. Hi Paula, welcome to the podcast. Hi Mia, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Um, It's exciting to talk to another clinical psychologist. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd love to know where your story with knitting began. So I first learned to knit when I was at school. Um, Mm -hmm. We all had to do Lent knitting. So for the kind of 40 days of before Easter, um, we all had to knit uh, every year. um, And we had to knit kind of squares that would then be all put together together. for blankets um for charity um I grew up in South Africa so there was a lot of kind of charitable work going on in our school um so yeah so we all learned to knit um and I think uh, my grandmother sort of taught me how to and would fix all my mistakes and um you know do all the putting little squares together um and she was someone who that who I shared a lot of kind of creative passions with. So she was a really kind of inspiring person in my life who was very creative, um, always doing something. She was a great cook and like she was really brilliant in like flower arranging or cake decorating or always had these little hobbies. Mm. Um, And knitting was one of those things that she would help me with and taught me how to do so. And how old do you think you were the first time you did your Lent knitting? feel like pretty young like maybe six or seven hmm. um and did you enjoy it because the the idea of it being set up as lint knitting to me sounds a little bit like a punishment or a sacrifice <laughs> yeah, I, know, I, know. I didn't know whether that might turn you off <laughs> I know I feel like I think I have really positive memories associated mm. with it, I guess, because I've I always have had. And I, I have memories of us kind of, you know, having parts of the day during that time as instead of having classes, you know, sitting around outside um, knitting together. Um, so I have good feelings attached mm. to it, I think. Um and it was a little bit, there was a bit of a competition. I think like we had, you know, school houses. So everyone was who could make the most squares in that time. So it was quite a fun thing for me. Okay. So yeah. it didn't feel like a punishment. No, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and did you carry on like all the way through? Or were there times that you just didn't knit for like years at a time? Yeah, I think um, I didn't really knit after I left school um, until I had my first child was when I, picked it up um and I always had some kind of creative outlet creative hobby so I was always doing something always going to a class or had some kind of crafty thing going on mm. um but then when I had my first baby like that just didn't feel possible to go out to a drawing class or mm. um anything like that and I think I was that we were living in Brussels at the time and there were some lovely yarn shops that I used to kind of pass on my way um and so kind of got back into it and have haven't kind of stopped since Mm -hmm. then and I think it was something about being able to just carve out a tiny bit of time for me and be able to focus on something that uh, I could be in control of when mm. you know everything else seemed really out of my control and mm. I really struggled you know adapting to being a mum in terms of yeah as I said we were living in Brussels so I didn't have a community there I didn't have friends or family so it was a really lonely time um, and my son did not sleep 
Mm. I read all the books. He did not conform to any. He didn't read those book. books. He didn't read the books. Oh, oh my so word. I know. <laughs> um, so I really struggled um, and just felt like a total failure at, you know, oh. at, at mothering. Mm. Um, so I think there was something about the missing that was like, oh, I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, there's something. I have to show for myself at, at the end of a hard day um, or a way of, of being able to just, you know, relax a little bit to slow down, to calm down mm. at the end of a day. I think it's a really common time to go back to knitting that I think it's yeah. a common story that many of us learn as kids a bit. I don't often hear about learning at school, actually. I think only one mm. other person has talked about school, yeah. but um I think it's common to go back to it after having a baby or maybe sometimes before I guess yes. people do knitting for babies yeah for some yes. reason yeah I think you're really right about the idea of it's hard to find time for a thing for yourself yeah. Yeah. in that time and all of the tasks that you do they're not very visible yeah or like you have yeah. to do them 12 times like changing nappies yes. or yes feeding yes. babies all of those yes. care things yeah they're not very I guess we don't value them very highly, even though they're yes. very important. And yes. also they're not very visible. Yes. yes. And I just felt like I was doing them all wrong. Mm. You know, like <laughs> the feeding was hard. The sleeping was hard. Yeah. It was, and I guess if you didn't tricky. have a group of other people who probably all also thought they were doing it all wrong, yes. but you just didn't yes. know. Yes. You yes. were the only one. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so it, it was really helpful. And I, I remember the first thing I, I made was something for a friend. I didn't make baby things for my baby, but I made like a really funny looking tea cozy for a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I was making things for other people. I think that was important for me, the kind of connection to people mm. that I felt far away from. Yeah. Um, so, so that was how I got into it. Um, and again, it was something, a really nice thing to share with my grandmother because she was kind of the one person in my family or in my circle who appreciated mm. and who knew, you know, the time and effort and yeah. um, would be impressed or, you yeah. know, I'd like to show off things to her because she yeah. would kind of get it. Yeah. So there was kind of that family connection as yeah. well. Yeah. 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 And in terms of why you continued to knit or why it kind of stuck when there were lots of other creative things you were doing that maybe I don't know why do you think knitting stuck around I think it stuck around because I find it really soothing Mm. I think that's part of it so you know I find it quite hard to relax and in a slowing down kind of way like yeah. if I sit in front of the tv I'll be asleep in five seconds <laughs> um, <laughs> but if I if I knit I can stay awake I'm exactly the um, same <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I think that's part of it helping to slow down helping to relax that kind of thing of it being easy to access you know mm. I don't need a clean house or anything to do it I can just grab my bag and it's there um you can kind of pick it up and leave it for a while you know sometimes there have been bigger gaps but then you can just pick it up and get back into it whereas I always have other like side creative things going on that that maybe um fill a bit of a need for novelty you know learning Mm. something very new or if I need something like you know a quick fix maybe that's not the right word but um you know, need to have achieved a project, made something in a relatively quick time. Yeah, I wouldn't go to knitting because for no. me that takes, uh, you know, that's a, that's slow work for me. Yeah. So, um, it feels like a constant in terms of like just something really comfortable that I can go to when I don't need to think. I don't need, um, I don't need the kind of novelty factor or. Um, uh yeah that the, the kind of quick fix um and so there's times I, I suppose for me it really features in times when I'm feeling tired it's mm. kind of a restful 
place, which yeah. um, whereas when I'm feeling more energetic, I might do some other kind of creative thing. Mm. And is that because it's for you something that takes a bit less bandwidth and it's a bit more of a soothing yeah. background kind of activity that doesn't yes. require heaps of inspiration or energy? Yes, yes. Mm. And I guess there's little phases of it. Like if I'm, you know, looking for a new project or getting into a new pattern or something, then that takes a little bit of, yeah. that's, you know, it's quite energizing or needs a bit of thinking but kind of in the the midst of it it feels very kind of soothing and comforting and mm. um yeah it's interesting isn't it that you have those different phases in your project I know yes. I had one that had to sit dormant for a few days because I was like actually I know the next step is sorting out this complicated bit of the pattern yes. where I'm separating yes. the sleeves or whatever it was I yes. can't remember now and I just thought, actually, I keep being too tired in the evenings yes, to do yes, that. And I need yes, to just do this repetitive yes, knitting that I also yes, have on the needles. Yes. Because that's what I've got the bandwidth for right now. And I always know there'll be, become a day eventually if I wait yes, long enough. Yes, yes, Or I'll have the bandwidth for the first one. But it yeah. just has to be the right time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I feel like for me, if I'm going on like a holiday, I might take something new mm. where I feel like I've got a little more time and and headspace for yeah. it but like midweek you know Thursday evening I just need something really soothing and something easier yeah mm. yeah and so the podcast is about kind of the benefits like the well-being benefits of knitting mm. like in what way do you think knitting benefits your mental well-being yeah I think for me, it is about, you know, really helping to slow down. Yeah. You know, I'm not very good at just sitting um, and taking time out from doing stuff. I'm not, you know, it's, a, it's an opportunity for just the kind of more being rather than doing. Yeah. Even though you're doing. It is something. a bit of doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it doesn't, I suppose, I think... What I've noticed, and, and I guess I've been thinking about this more consciously recently, is that I feel like it really helps me to kind of process the stuff in mm. my brain. Like, you know, like it's a bit like having a shower. You just can allow your brain to, to go where it, it wants to go. And actually often you get creative great ideas yeah in the shower when you know that you're not actually having to do or or think about anything you can just be there mm. um and I think that's what knitting is a bit like for me um my, my husband is is from Northern Ireland and they have this great saying um about you know if you're stressed you need to go shower your head okay. <laughs> and I feel like knitting is a bit like that for me yeah. like just a sense of um, I can let my head, my mind kind of do its thing, kind of processing, but without getting stuck, yeah. so without going into ruminating or um, really getting into worrying because yeah. I'm always coming back to the present moment. Mm. I'm always needing to check in with where I'm at or at the end of a row or counting stitches yeah. or um just I wonder often about the kind of jobs that we do Mm. they're quite kind of very heavily verbal and cognitive I suppose like we're trying to solve problems or make sense of things and we're talking all the time yes yes and thinking and we're probably drawn to psychology because we're natural overthinkers I'm gonna put it out there yes yes (laughs) yes and um whether knitting kind of just feels like for me I suppose it stimulates a different literally different part of my brain yes, yes. where I can turn off the chat yes. and the thinking yes <laughs> and yes. I can do the hands yes <laughs> and the following a you know pattern yeah but yeah then it kind of almost feels like other problems or ideas are problems are solved or ideas come to me because I'm not yeah. forcing them yeah I'm not looking exactly. for the answer yeah exactly yeah, I feel like it's a kind of, it, it feels restful for my mind, yeah. which is, is probably definitely for me 
you know, can get exhausted. And are there particular things you would gravitate towards knitting? Like, does it matter what, what you're knitting? What, how do you pick um, what you knit? Yeah, I feel like I will either just take inspiration when I'm in a shop and yes. buy on impulse something lovely um, or have someone and something in mind um, like a gift for someone a baby mm. someone's baby or um, my cousin is is going off to uni uh, in September and so I'm currently like missing her a big long scarf that I think she'll really like um so yeah I feel like it, it needs to be it's it's most often for someone yeah that I'm knitting and do you um, think that uh I guess connection you could call it that you get through thinking about the person when you're knitting and yes the gifting yeah is that an important part of what floats your boat about knitting do you think yeah yeah I think so mm. um and I really like that, you know, thinking, choosing the yarn to suit the person. Mm-hmm. And But I did have a kind of trauma around that once. So I've learned not to tell anybody that I'm knitting okay. for them until it's done. Because <laughs> there was some one Christmas and I was like super pregnant with my second child, like mm-hmm. weeks, you know, days off giving birth. And I... I, you know, so I was finishing work right up mm-hmm. to Christmas. So work was super hectic. And then I think it was my idea, but my family, we'd agreed to do homemade presents for Christmas, okay. <laughs> which is totally something I would come up with. Um, <laughs> and I decided I would knit everyone presents. But like, you know, that was decided in like November. So mm-hmm. not a lot of time no. to knit <laughs> for all your family gift. members. <laughs> exactly what a nightmare um and oh my gosh I was it was so I was so stressed so I remember you know I couldn't sleep because I was like you know a million months pregnant and uh exhausted but I was staying up like till one in the morning (laughs) you know trying to to finish everybody's like gloves socks oh my gosh I don't even and I couldn't do it I couldn't I just couldn't do it and I was so upset with myself for having you know like just set this ridiculous goal um so I ended up just having to wrap like I managed to do like one half you know like one sock one glove okay and just wrapped it up with the yarn and the the needles and everything I've done that before (laughs) and I've never tried to knit something for everybody in my family when you first said it I'm I envisaged you doing like a secret Santa almost like you do for one person (laughs) you're gonna make it for everybody yes (laughs) Uh, I felt like I nearly did myself in with that. Pregnancy hormones had gone into slight overdrive. (laughs) I think a combination of that and kind of, you know, perfectionism um, and really wanting to make, you know, special Christmas for everybody. But it was so that's when knitting not therapeutic. (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. That was that was bad. Um, although I have such lovely memories of that Christmas because I think like my grandmother you know made us her favorite dishes for the freezer and my mum made me some jewelry you know just so it has very special memories but um, I think I nearly (laughs) nearly killed myself (laughs) with all that knitting so yeah I think a lot of people will relate to the idea that you can get like the perfectionism, I suppose, that knitting yeah. can, it has the potential to activate some unhelpful things. Yes, yes. Um, I don't know, was there anything you kind of learned from that experience or is there any way that you kind of try and keep it more in that this is a relaxing, like you rein that perfectionism in? Yes, yes. And, and I think also probably, um, I think the painful bit was that the people, most of the people receiving those gifts wouldn't have realized no the effort <laughs> like okay. my brother wouldn't really realize you know how effortful it is to yeah. knit a pair of socks no <laughs> um so I think 
I think kind of, yeah, stepping back from um, the, the outcome a bit and making it more about the process. And, you know, if there's a, a lovely, you know, gift at the end for someone, that's great. But I don't set myself a deadline anymore. You know, yeah, I'm not I like... think deadlines take the joy out of it, I <laughs> yes, feel. Yes, exactly. Um, there have been a couple of times I've seen um, calls for like test knitters mm. on Instagram. And I think, oh, that's oh, yeah. an exciting new pattern. I'd get the pattern yeah. for free. I, yeah. I like the sound of that. And then I think, actually, I just am not fast at knitting because I don't have much knitting time yes. available yes and I just don't know I could I think it would sap the enjoyment yes definitely yeah so I literally do if I'm knitting a Christmas gift start in July <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> yeah I te- stepped away from yeah as I said setting a, a deadline for something it's just yeah. be a surprise gift at a random time of year when it's yeah. ready <laughs> but I've totally uh, given people gifts which were still slightly damp from blocking yeah. or with needles still in yeah. them okay and that's reassuring <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> yeah I'd love to hear about a significant knitting project for you yeah so I think I think quite a kind of significant time of my life was um like the end of 2017 or end of 2018 I don't know something like that maybe the end of 2018 yes um when I felt like you know my kids were were sleeping finally okay (laughs) and I kind of started to feel like I was emerging from some kind of you know brain fog and started to be able to think about what I wanted for myself out of work out of life and I kind of had a thought um that actually I wanted to knit something just for myself for the first time I'd not ever ever knitted anything for myself um and so I treated myself that Christmas to like a knit along kit I think it's Debbie Abraham's like mystery Mm -hmm. blanket I thought that was exciting so like you get the pattern released every month you get a certain bit so you don't know what it's going to look like um and does it come with yarn Yes, it comes with all the okay. yarn yeah. and it was beautiful, like beadwork um, and all sorts of different techniques. And so every square is different and um, it's really like a big project. Yeah. But it took me, you know, it's supposed to be over the year, <laughs> one year, but yeah. it took me three years. Okay. Um, and I think partly because, you know, there was a lot of new learning in that a lot of in, techniques, techniques that kind of thing. like yeah. I've never done anything with beads um and and some quite complicated patterns so there were times when that was too much for me you know I needed mm-hmm. something easier so you know it was a kind of ongoing thing that yeah um, I picked up and, and put down um but it was also a, a time of my life that was a big kind of shift a big transition um into I think just more thinking about what I want from Mm. life and and that led me to you know have quite a significant career change Mm -hmm. um and it also took me through the the first year of the pandemic um and I finished it just before Christmas last year so okay yeah so it was three years that it took me um and everyone in my family kind of you know saw me knitting this thing for three years so they were all quite invested in seeing you know the final product and um and I would share it a lot with my grandmother you know Mm -hmm. that was really nice um and then she died last year which was really sad Mm. um and so the finishing of it also was quite significant for Mm. me in terms of um kind of the grieving process and just maintaining that connection with her um so had she died before it was finished yes she did yeah which was which was sad but it it kind of you know has has taken on a different meaning for me as well that there's something about yeah that yeah as I said sort of you know supporting my grieving process but Mm. also maintaining a connection yeah her through that kind of thing that's Um, interesting 
I remember when my grandma died, I'd knitted her a shawl a few years beforehand that was to like keep her warm when she was sitting in her chair. And then mm. I got it back after she died. Oh, and I thought, wow. I really don't want this back. Yes, yes. <laughs> it wasn't yes, for me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think it's a really nice way of the, have, keeping those family connections. Yeah. And also something often people talk about is the kind of using knitting to kind of process loss yeah. and grief. I think yes. that's really. Yes common thing yeah and I think it's just even saying it out loud it's kind of interesting that the full circle of like the first thing I knitted was a square you know squares for blankets yeah and yeah this kind of helped you put those together yeah and then the 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 first thing I actually ever knitted for myself was Hmm. um uh, you know this blanket with squares that that link with her and her hmm. and it turns out by that point you could actually do that finishing bit by yourself yes yes given you yes, all the skills yes yeah and the joy and then you fledged oh. as a knitter yes yes yeah so oh. I have it here look I'll show you oh wow it's um, oh wow that's lovely yeah and all different and lovely colors yeah yeah and something you can keep yes her. and it's very comforting yeah and um, you know, I actually was just looking at my shelf. I have a book that Debbie Abrams, uh, it's a blanket book, ah, cotton book. Uh-huh, <laughs> and yeah. I had knitted a blanket with fruit on it. I remember okay. when I was knitting it, people were saying, oh, is that because you're planning to have a baby? And I wasn't at the time. But yeah. it took me so long that by the time it was finished, <laughs> yes. I actually did have a baby. Have a baby. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even that young anymore. <laughs> yeah. So it all worked yeah. out. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's something about that kind of, you know, the, the story of, of of life and like those significant transitions kind of woven into this. Yeah, and I think there's often that, that yeah. I feel with knitting that it's partly kind of autobiographical. Yes. Yeah. That you can remember where you were or where you started, yeah. you know, yeah. particular things or what was going yeah. on in your life. I know that your work is mainly with health professionals. Yeah. And that you talk a lot about creativity in your work in terms of like preventing burnout and promoting self-care amongst health professionals Mm. um I don't know if you encounter many people that knit or whether you talk about knitting in your work and what the response is yeah yeah I do it's funny because um I I always I'm always kind of you know trying to suss that out a little bit to see if you know people will think I'm weird or if they'll be excited if you mention it (laughs) yeah 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 I do the same thing yeah um but I do I think that like having a creative outlet is such a powerful um kind of buffer for the stress that uh working in healthcare you know is that there is stress it is a stressful job emotionally stressful Mm. and I think that you know having a creative practice can really help us process that and can help us access rest in a way that Mm. lots of other kind of things can't and have you got any ideas about what it is about knitting that's attractive to us health professional types (laughs) yeah I think it's I mean I think it's you know all these some of these things that we've talked about in terms of um being it sort of gives you permission to sit yeah (laughs) and to just be for a bit which I think is something we find hard to do because we're still feeling purposeful and um productive but actually you have to sit still you know still ish yeah um to do it um and I think it does give our as you said you know give our brains a rest um, helps us switch off a bit which is really challenging um yeah I often think about what it is I suppose I I think about the concept of I developed it in a salsa class actually (laughs) the idea of active relaxation yeah the idea of so you know I used to go salsa dancing and I was thinking why there's so many doctors here like it's yes. weird that yes. like a third of the people here are doctors. Yeah. That's not the same in normal life. <laughs> yeah. And um, my husband, who's a doctor, came along and he only did it, I think, to impress me at the beginning. It wasn't because it was something he was naturally going to end up doing, but he yeah. liked the fact that he could not think about work at the yes. same time because yes. the, what you were 
being asked to do was just too complicated yes like moving your arms and legs in particular ways at the same time and with a partner you just couldn't think about work so I think he surprised himself by quite enjoying that aspect of it yes yeah and I suppose I wonder whether that's a bit the case like in terms of the the doctors I've spoken to for the podcast I've really noticed a theme of you know quite enjoying complicated uh patterns or things like or the sense of achievement yes um yes and probably I guess lots of health professionals especially maybe doctors and nurses who have very active like on their feet type jobs maybe they're not we're just generally not that good at sitting still yeah yeah for sure and I think there's something I noticed myself getting a bit of a like a buzz out of like getting a pattern you know like when, when you kind of especially if it's a little bit complicated and you know then all of a sudden it becomes intuitive and you see the I don't know if it's like the maths behind it or you're able to read it in your own knitting um that is so satisfying Mm. the the kind of when when you sort of um yeah kind of get the pattern so there's something maybe a little bit geeky about it where there's there's the kind of (laughs) the, the complex thinking but but also that helps you get into a flow state I think Mm, um so you feel like you're mastering something yes exactly yes whereas other things um I don't know like something maybe like coloring yeah you know for me um does not hold my attention Mm. for very long um even though and I guess you you don't get it right I suppose with coloring yes like with knitting you can I don't know there was something I did the other day. Oh, I got to the lace part of the yoke of my sweater. I joined the sleeves and I had the correct number of stitches. Yeah, yeah really exactly. Like, yes. ah, I'm yeah. the winner. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> it doesn't always yeah. go that way. No. Even, no. To, you know, I'm really trying my best to follow the pattern. Yeah. It's not to be taken for granted that there will yes. be. the, And especially when it's in the like two to three hundreds of stitches. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess yeah. you could, you know, the other thing I suppose with knitting and that you can do it like I've knitted probably every day or most days for the last let's say 15 years yeah but it's still not that I'm running out of stuff that I could learn and get a sense of achievement from knitting I'm not like done and an expert (laughs) yeah there's like heaps of things I could still learn yeah and I did a new cast on technique the other day and you know there's always new thing new territory Yeah. (laughs) yeah for sure um Do you think how do you think there's anything that gets in the way of health professionals, particularly kind of accessing creativity? Like I guess knitting might be for everyone, but I guess yes. there are other things that could give other people a similar yeah, yeah. or outlet. I think um, I think there's you know perfectionism that can mm. get in the way. I think you know, a fear of getting it wrong. Uh, you know, the discomfort of learning something new, of, you know, mm-hmm. the being in that place where you don't know what you're doing. Um, and there is a real, that is a thing, I suppose, when you first start to knit that can yeah. get in the way, I think, can't it? Yeah. Because it's not, uh, you do it immediately and it feels blissfully easy and relaxing. Like there yeah. is the hurdle of getting used to the, yes. the stitches. Yes. yes. When I talk to, you know, people I'm seeing in therapy or coaching, about it I feel like it's an amazing gift because Mm. it's something that you can practice you know making room for that discomfort in the service of something that is important to you and that just is so transferable to lots of other things you know like with you know saying no um Mm. you know that can feel so uncomfortable you know all kinds of um, risks we might be taking on if we say no, letting people down, what people might think of us. Um, but if we can make room for that in the service of, you know, healthy boundaries with mm. work or in relationships, then we can have something beautiful at the end. Um, so I think I love the idea of knitting as a kind of, um, you know, a proxy for for kind of developing 
some of these psychological flexibility skills um, that are transferable and maybe Um, in a relatively non-threatening environment like fairly low stakes I suppose yes yes yes, (laughs) you ultimately have generally got what you started with yes you might have to unravel hours worth of progress but yeah and also I think if you you know if you choose something that feels good you know you choose the needles that you like or and the mm. yarn that you like then you know the actual kind of sensory experience of it is um you know I think I talk a lot about sort of cultivating our soothing systems um as ways of um you know regulating our threat systems because yeah. I think as health professionals well you know and as humans generally but I think health professionals in particular um we we tend to really you know regulate our threat system through our drive system yeah. that you know if we're feeling worried scared anxious um we go into problem solving mode we work harder we write lists we learn you know we uh, you know want to achieve the next thing um and that, you know, generally works for most things, but it's exhausting. Yeah. And if we're just stuck in between threat and drive, um, we're really at risk of, of burnout, for example, or, mm-hmm. you know, just exhaustion. But also there's lots of stuff that we can't fix in those ways, that we can't, you know, problem solve our way out of, you know, if especially when we're dealing with really traumatic difficult stuff in life um that, that we can't fix yeah. we need something else and that's you know the importance of the the soothing system and how we get that online when we're so programmed yeah. to ignore it and I think knitting is an amazing way of of doing that of of, of cultivating that kind of slowing down of of the nervous system and an opportunity to um you know you know make room for discomfort as you were talking about um making mistakes developing compassion for ourselves tuning into what we like what we want what feels good mm. right now I think and, we're terrible at all of those things as health professionals. Yeah, generally. and I just was struck by the idea of the systems that we work in as well, that to what extent do you think they allow, <laughs> they want yeah. us to access the soothing yeah. systems? Because I guess they are built around a group of people who have high yeah. uh, threat drive systems. Yes. Those yes. are very easily activated. Yes. Um and making time for preventing the burnout, I think, is a real challenge, isn't it? It's really hard. Yeah. 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 I was also just thinking back to the what you're saying about perfectionism, um, that I guess that's something you can see why you would have to really have those qualities as a health professional, somebody whose mistakes could have very big consequences, yes. that you yes. can really see how it's a very adaptive way of living. Mm. <laughs> and yeah. uh, but that there might be times you need to tone you know turn yeah turn the volume down on that yeah yeah that maybe knitting's a good way of uh practicing I yes. suppose we all need yes. to practice the skills that yes. don't come as easily don't we I yes yes yeah and I think the other thing about the system that we work in is that it can feel very dehumanizing and you know we can feel like a really big no, really small cog in a big machine, mm. um, you know, just a kind of name on a rotor, um, very uncared for by the system. Um, and I think, you know, I think creativity generally and this thing specifically can be really helpful in counteracting that in terms of you know you being in control of of the project it's your choice Mm. you know whatever color whatever pattern whatever project you choose um and I think small but really important cogs because if I think about many now health professionals I've either interviewed or worked with as part of my group is that it's really super common for and actually um in an interview I did with Carol Caparoso who set up Project Knitwell um, in America was saying that um, when 
that the more nurses they've worked with in terms of offering knitting as a wellness tool, the more referrals they get for people mm-hmm. on their wards because the yeah. nurses have experienced firsthand the benefit yeah. and then they're more yeah. likely to think of it from their patients. Yes. And it's overwhelming, the overwhelming majority of the healthcare workers I've spoken to have mentioned without me asking about it, the idea of using it in their work. Mm, yeah. So either with colleagues or with their uh, patients or clients and I mean struggling to find the space and the time and the resources for that that's always a theme but yeah the desire is there yes yes um yeah and I think for me that the kind of three things that I talk about in my work or the three kind of threads are connection compassion and, and creativity and I think knitting offers um all of those things Mm. you know connection to um other people that you know real community around knitting or to um you know the the people and things that matter to you by you know in terms of if you're making something for someone or um I also found it a nice way of uh having a new way of connecting with my colleagues that people notice a new cardigan or something we would have a kind of conversation that wasn't about work or problems or trauma or distress yeah exactly (laughs) quite personal to me and also joyful (laughs) yes so it's kind of connection to identities outside of Mm. the professional one you know and it's always a lovely conversation starter you know if you're doing knitting something in public people will often come and talk to you about it when they wouldn't otherwise and then I think compassion, because I think it does just just that slowing down is, you know, the first kind of step to us being able to, you know, access compassion for ourselves. Um, but it sounds I, like you deliberately did that with your, you know, once you got to the stage where your small people were a bit yes. more <laughs> yeah. independent, at least at night, you could then use knitting as a way of yes. doing something for yourself. Yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then I think, you know, the creative benefits that it holds, as you said, are just kind of endless. You know, there's no end to how the choices and the challenges that are open to you. Also, I was just thinking back to when you were talking about the shower Mm. um, analogy, and um, I guess that's a very sensory experience. Mm. It's a very Mm. kind of immersive, (laughs) very literally sensory experience. And actually, in my work with uh, young people often we talk about that as a kind of grounding technique having a shower yeah. um, when people are feeling overwhelmed it's something fairly doable doesn't take that long mm. um, and I was thinking that you were talking about knitting being soothing so I was also wondering about you know very like on a very physical level accessing mm. soothing the, mm. there being a similarity between those yeah. two things yeah it definitely like I love knitting with wooden needles mm. and you know there's something about that that feels soothing I guess because they're warmer than little yeah, ones oh, or, um, my ball of mohair yarn I brought my own knitting to my knitting group today and it was yeah. passed all the way around all of the young people wanted to yeah. like pet it yes. for a little while <laughs> yeah. yeah Paula I always end with asking um what's the greatest gift that knitting has given you for the rest of your life I don't know what thoughts you have yeah, about that that's a big question um I think it's given me a space for me you know just to Mm. to um you know in the midst of feeling you know lots of demands from life and and people and my own internal stuff um it gives me a break from Mm. from all of that um and a rest I think which I don't think can underestimate Mm. how important that is yeah it's like a sanctuary I think Mm. and I guess it's the sense that you can kind of carry that with you you know wherever you go is really a tiny um, portable spa yeah (laughs) (laughs) for sure yeah I really relate to that and we're going to be running a retreat together Paula (laughs) I know I'm so excited so I don't know if you want to say a little bit about why we're running this retreat yeah. or why it's important to you. Yeah, so we're running this retreat, which um, we've called Creative Restoration. 
um yeah. and this is our it's going to be our first our first one and uh we've decided to run it for gps um and i think we made that decision because i think as a group you know they've been you know historically under huge pressures but particularly you know through the pandemic you know and and it's just ongoing you know I think there's been no let up and and really continuing in terms of the pressure they're under but I think particularly for me what what I notice for with the GPs that I work with is a real sense of isolation um you know for lots of people you know who worked in hospitals or in other kind of teams through the pandemic you know they've talked about how important the, those teams have been and and how you know that camaraderie and support has really helped to get people through um and I guess the fact that also people who work shifts you know when they go home they go home whereas for GPs you know they're often really on their own you know they will have yeah. people in there you know other people that they work in their practice with but everyone is carrying you know huge caseloads and they can't go home until it's done because the buck stops with them um so huge pressures huge anxiety around risks um and just that sense of you know exhaustion and isolation so I feel very passionately about you know really wanting to support GPs in particular Mm. um and I know lots were volunteering to do extra I know I bumped into my GP at a COVID vaccine centre yeah. and you know and I think it was a bit like the pandemic started off as a sprint didn't it and there was this yeah. big energy to yeah. help yeah but that once it became a marathon just exhaustion taking yes. you know it's yes it's a long and, slog and I think the other part is that they face huge anger and rage and backlash from mm. the public and from the media you know everyone um that locate the problem with GPs and often they're the ones that you know patients will express their their anger towards so I think they you know can feel under attack a lot of the time so so we put this day together where we can kind of take a small group of GPs um, to a beautiful hotel in Richmond uh, the Petersham Hotel which is just a beautiful place um and to kind of really look after them mm-hmm. for the day with, you know, lovely refreshments and a lovely three-course meal. Um, and spending the day weaving together psychological expertise around well-being. So for me, that comes from um, acceptance and commitment therapy and compassion-focused therapy. So looking at things like values, identity, you know, how we cultivate compassion for ourselves how we actually do that how do we tune into what we need how we learn to be mindful um, and the benefits of of mindful noticing and slowing down um, and how we face challenges like perfectionism and you know how we go forward to um, keep looking after ourselves Mm -hmm. And it's so exciting to be working with you on this because um, you've been able to, you know, bring your expertise in, in the therapeutic benefits of knitting to kind of weave into that. I guess I see it a bit as using, like we spoke about, like knitting as a safe way of finding yes. space for ourselves. Yeah. Uh, finding a, I think for me, it's really important that this isn't a day of looking after yourself with the idea that then you can keep burning yourself out yes yes exactly that it's something that might maybe change our mindsets a little bit yeah help us think about certainly I would really hope people go away from the retreat with an idea about what might be an ongoing thing they could do every day or every week that might help them engage a little bit with self-compassion and rest yeah and I know for me and also for you that knitting has been a good way of accessing that. And I think I fell into it accidentally, but grabbed hold of it. Mm, mm. (laughs) And, but for me, it really does that, like that, that spar analogy in my knitting bag. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I can access a little bit of that really quite quickly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I, and I think many knitters feel the same, really. 
Yeah. And we've talked about, you know, yeah, some of the themes that we've both found from working with health professionals and how we might manage some of those traps that we can be mm-hmm. vulnerable to falling into mm-hmm. um, and have a lovely day in a nice place with a vi- visit to Tribe Yard, yes. which is a beautiful yes. yarn shop. Yes. And yeah, so it's really exciting. Yeah, really exciting. And I think... So, yes, so if you're listening and you want to find out more, it's on the 1st of October this year, 2022. Uh And our website is creativerestoration.org. We'd love to see you there. And this one is for GPs, but we're hoping this is the first of many. So if you're not a GP, or you're a different type of doctor or another health professional or somebody else who's interested, you can still sign up to our mailing list and then you'll be notified about future projects. Yes. Yes. And I guess one of the questions that has come up a little bit is what if people like the idea of it, but, um, you know, don't feel like they're confident knitters. Hmm. You've got some resources to. Yeah. So I have a PDF. Yeah. So you can let me know my email address, uh, Mia at therapeuticknitting.org and I can send a PDF. So your knitting skills required. So rather than teaching people from absolute beginners it I guess is designed for people who can knit a bit but that could just be doing a basic casting on knitting a bit yeah casting off again so if you don't knit yet but want to get started I have got a pdf so let me know I'll send it to you and you could easily this weekend get your knitting skills (laughs) up to scratch enough to join us yeah Well, thank you so much for joining me for the podcast. If people want to find out about your work and what else you're doing, how would they do that? So they can come and uh, find my website, which is drpaularedmond.com. And I'm also on Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter. So we'd love to see anybody there. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Why I Knit podcast. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe as it helps other people to learn more about the therapeutic benefits of knitting. If you'd like to find out more about my work, you can visit my website at therapeuticknitting.org. You can also follow me on Instagram at knittingistherapeutic. Thank you.